Romans chapter 1. You don't have to go there. Don't open your Bible. Just, just listen. Just listen. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. How? By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in the preaching of the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Oh no. God, who is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. What's next? It's a different version. <clears> they <throat> might find a way to come to you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, first for the American, then for the Peruvian. Well, no, that's bad, that's bad. <clears throat> for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, the wrath of God, no one talks about this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what? Oh, man. <clears throat> For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, and this is exactly, this is why I'm quoting this. This, is, this passage is exact definition of what is happening in our world today. We're seeing the fulfillment of Romans 1 right here. This is the world in which we live, in which you live. It will take a massive work of the Holy Spirit to pry your heart heart away from this Disneyland of the United States of America in which we live. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen so that men are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's exactly what's happening in the United States today. And you come to the, the end of that passage and it just, it, it goes through this, <clears throat> well, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They disobey their parents. I always echo that part to my kids. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. This is the world in which we live. This is, this is the nation in which we live. The United States of America I just arrived from Peru five days ago, landed in Los Angeles, and I got off the plane, and immediately, I can feel the pull of Disneyland. You can feel the pull of all of the entertainment and all of the distractions and all the bells and whistles and lights and, and everything that this world and this nation has to offer. And it just, everything is designed to suck you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I was preaching last night, you need to go to the feet of Jesus it, once again, it's going to take a massive, massive work of the Holy Spirit to pry your heart away from everything that this Disneyland is trying to offer you. To pry your heart away the, from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh, the devil is doing a, an amazing job at blinding people. Especially a younger generation. If he can brainwash you, and the brainwashing is coming from all sides. Oh, maybe I should preach Daniel 1. The brainwashing is coming from all sides. We need a generation of youth who stand up and they stand against that. They swim up current in this world that's trying to just the whole current is, is taking everyone to hell. A younger generation who goes to the feet of Jesus because it's your only hope. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach Romans five, Romans one. I was gonna let's let's go Mark five instead. <clears throat> Mark five. I, I want to go here, and I, and I almost said some of these things last night because in in this chapter five right here, Mark chapter five, you've got three people. Last night we looked at one woman, and she continually went to the same place, sitting at Jesus' feet, kneeling at Jesus' feet, 
bowing at Jesus' feet. Here you've got three different people, and each one of them run to Jesus' feet. Um, let me start here just in, in the beginning. Chapter 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerizines. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with the stones. And when he saw Jesus, verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar... He ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice. He said, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I adjure you by the living God. Do not torment me. For he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And the story goes on. Um, at the beginning here, the first couple of verses that I just read, so Jesus is coming with his disciples, and, and they're crossing um, the, the sea right here. And, and just in the context, just before this, at the end of chapter 4, um, in verse 36, Jesus had left the crowd, and they took him in the boat with him, and just as, just as he was, and there were other boats with him. And then this great windstorm arises, and, and they're sleep, Jesus is sleeping, and everybody in the, in the boat starts to panic. I just want to point this out about this. It says there was other boats with him. Um, Jesus was in this boat with his disciples, and a storm arises. Jesus is sleeping. And then they shake him, they wake him up. Jesus, don't you care about us? And then Jesus calms the storm. But it just makes me think about it, it, that little line, there were other boats. And Jesus wasn't in those boats. He's in this boat with the disciples. And it just makes me think, is Jesus in your boat? There are a lot of other boats out there, and Jesus isn't, isn't in their boat. They need Jesus. Is Jesus in your boat? That makes all of the difference when you go through storms in life. Uh, do, do many of, has Nate Bramson spoke here? Do you know Nate? Some of you. Um, a few years ago, he, he was going through cancer. And uh, before he went through radiation, he came, came to Peru and did a jungle trip with me. And um, I think Aaron was there for a few days with us also. And, but uh, he, here he is, and he's possibly dying of cancer. And, uh, and he preached this passage, and, and th this passage about the boat here. And, and to hear him say, is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? There's other boats. Jesus wasn't in their boat. And as Nate's going through this tremendous storm of cancer in his life, and he's just like facing it with great courage and, and boldness. If I've got cancer, but you know what? Jesus is in my boat. Nothing else matters. 
I don't care. Take me home, Lord. I, you can give me all the cancer you want. Jesus is in my boat. But you know what worries me? There are other boats out there, a whole lot of other boats out there, and Jesus isn't in their boat. So Jesus crosses the sea, and he calms the storm. Jesus is in that boat. And then it goes into this story here about this maniac, this demoniac here, this guy. And, and uh, it, it's interesting this guy calls him a chain breaker. But it's interesting, a chain breaker here meets the real chain breaker. After this, we're going to see a ruler of the synagogue meets the real ruler of the synagogue. Then after that, you're going to see this, this no-name woman, doesn't give her name. She suffered at the hands of many physicians this, this woman that suffered at the hand of many physicians now meets the real physician. And each one of these people, they see Jesus and they, from different distances, this, this demon-possessed guy, he sees Jesus from afar and he runs to Jesus. It's almost like the man, the image bearer of the living God, that man he sees Jesus from afar off, and the demons have taken control of him, but for a moment there, he's able to get his body running towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Just desperate, desperate, desperate. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Every one of these stories here, I need Jesus. Each one is desperate, and they run to Jesus' feet. And even this man, as he's demon-possessed, it's almost like he's got control of himself for a second. And he can get himself to Jesus. And falls down on his feet. And he starts to speak. But then after that, the, the, the demons take over. But at the same time, Jesus saves the man. And picture this. Jesus walking into this situation. The guy's in the tombs. He, he's he's demon-possessed, legion, 2,000 demons in, in this man. In, in parallel story, it seems that there's two of these guys. But uh, you picture this. Here we have the, the creator of the universe, God over all things, Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, who's taken on flesh and blood, took on a body. And here he walks into this picture of the ruin that this world has been thrust into because of our sin. The tombs, a picture of death, the darkness here, the fallen angels, the uncleanness of the pigs, this whole situation of darkness and death and disconnection. You know, really, this world was created... Uh, to reflect light and life and love. Jesus, who is the embodiment of light and life and love. And he, and he creates this world to reflect those three things. But what do you do? Where do you turn if you reject light? Where do you turn but to darkness? Where, where do you turn if you reject love, the love of God, but to brokenness. Where do you turn if you reject the life of God, but to death? 
Darkness and death and disconnection right here. You see it in this story where this, this man in, in the tombs and demon-possessed, Jesus, he sees our darkness and death and disconnection. And what does he do? He comes down right into this darkness and death and disconnection. And he says, I'll take on your darkness. I'll live in disconnection. I'll even experience the same death that you experience on this planet. And then after three days rising from the dead, having conquered darkness and death and disconnection, rises up and he says, you in darkness, come to my light. You in disconnection, come to my love. You in death, come to my life. And this is Jesus walks into the situation right here, a totally hopeless situation. The guy is desperate. The guy has cried out. It says he fell down crying out to Jesus. And there this chain breaker meets the real chain breaker. And he's saved. Freed from the demons. Saved, saved, saved. Because he ran, it started right there. He ran to the feet of Jesus. Now look at the next story. You skip down, let's just skip down to um, verse 22. Well, verse 21, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, this is so it just kind of shows that the whole reason Jesus crossed that sea was just, just to have an encounter with this one guy. Like Tony had that encounter with Jeff, the chip guy. Just God sent Tony to, to that chip aisle just to have one conversation. Divine appointments, nothing better than divine appointments. Go look for your divine appointment today with somebody that's living in darkness and death and disconnection and just give them light and life and love. The Lord Jesus Christ, the real chain breaker. So Jesus, he crosses back over after this divine appointment with this, this demoniac over there, sets that guy free. So he gets right back in the boat, goes back to the other side and... Um, he was beside the sea in verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So here you've got this ruler of the synagogue. Once again, a ruler of the synagogue meets the ruler of the synagogue. But you kind of get this picture in, in Jairus. Maybe this guy is a, just a genuine follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I, I kind of wonder, if this guy is kind of this picture of religiosity. I don't know. Possibly. But uh, you see maybe religiosity here. And, and his daughter ends up, by the end of the story, she's dead. At first, she's at the point of death, and then somebody runs up, and she's like, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. But uh, then Jesus just says, little girl, arise. Or in some other versions, wake up. And just kind of tying that to the idea of religiosity, and here we've got this religious man. Maybe you... 
have just kind of lived this life so far? Have you grown, grown up in a Christian family? And really, it's just to you, it's, it's religiosity. It's just, just religion. And I want to say, like Jesus says to the little girl here, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Religiosity doesn't save you. You need to go to the feet of Jesus. Jairus runs, it says right there, and seeing him, he fell down at his feet. This is amazing. Mary, at the feet of Jesus. Then this demoniac running, imploring. He runs to Jesus at the feet of Jesus. Now Jairus, this religious guy, runs to the feet of Jesus. You know, we need to just, we, we need a generation that arises. Arise. Oh, young people, stand up. Wake up. I don't care about religiosity. Oh, I pray that you don't care about religiosity. Jesus' biggest problems with people in the New Testament was the religious people of his time. What you need is relationship that's cultivated at the feet of Jesus. Let, let me read this. Let me read this quote. This is, this is a quote by a guy named C.T. Studd. Um, C.T. Studd was a famous cricket player in England, millionaire. He, he walked away from it all when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. He got to Jesus Christ, to, to the feet of Jesus, transformed man, and then he left everything, and he went to Africa as a missionary. But this guy had some, uh, you need to read about this guy. He had some an ama amazing and shocking statements. Listen to this, what he says. Christ's call is not to scoffers, but to sinners, to repent, not to build furnished, comfortable chapels and churches and cathedrals at home. Listen to this Bethany Bible Chapel. I'm sorry, I have the gift of offending people. This might offend. No, just, just take this. And some of you that have come from different churches and different chapels and cathedrals, some of you leaders and some of you young people that are going to be leaders in churches, these words right here, our mission is not to build and furnish comfortable chapels, churches, and cathedrals at home in which to rock Christian professors to sleep by means of clearly or cleverly, dis, uh, by means of clever essays, stereotyped prayers, and artistic musical performances but to raise living churches of souls, to capture men from the devil's clutches and snatch them from the very jaws of hell, to enlist and train them for Jesus and make them into an almighty army of God. But this can only be accomplished by a red-hot, unconventional, Holy Ghost religion, where neither church nor state, neither man nor traditions are worshipped or preached, but only Christ and Him crucified. When in hand-to-hand -hand conflict with the world, the flesh, and the devil, neat little biblical confectionery is like shooting lions with a pea shooter. Nothing but forked lightning Christians will count. A lost reputation is the best degree for Christ's service. Oh, I love that. 
A lost reputation is the best degree in Christ's service. Just lose your reputation. Whatever you could be or might be or possibly already are in this world, just lose that reputation for the sake of Christ if need be. Nothing but forked lightning Christians will do. None of this religiosity. Religion isn't going to change the world. Even if the name is, is, is a Bible chapel or, or, or we talk about Jesus. No, it's got to be all about a relationship with Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Jairus here. Maybe, you know, a picture of religiosity, but then he just gets to the point of desperation and he runs to the feet of Jesus and the ruler of the synagogue meets the ruler of the synagogue. <clears throat> you know, I wonder if Jesus knew this little girl. Maybe Jesus, I mean, in these verses that talk about all the little children coming to Jesus Sometimes I'll go into some of the villages and, and, and Aaron Campbell's here and he's spent years in Peru and knows all these villages. And sometimes you walk into a Chena Misa and just like 40 kids just run and jump on you and they're all hugging you and everything. And, and it must have been like that, but much, so much greater degree everywhere Jesus went, just the kids running and jumping on him and sitting on his knee and Jesus telling him stories. And I just wonder if this little girl, Jairus' daughter, was like one of those little girls that had sat on Jesus' knee. He, I mean, the stories doesn't tell us here, but he just looks at the girl, daughter, arise. Or actually, he doesn't say daughter, I'm sorry. Arise, little girl. And that same idea to you. Wake up, arise. And then you get to this, this next little story that's interwoven, and you've got this woman who's got this issue of blood. She's been hemorrhaging, this discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, this is interesting. The girl is 12 years old. The woman's been suffering from this flow of blood for, for 12 years. And, you know, I think this would make a great uh, episode for the chosen, uh, just since they kind of add stuff in and make stories out of it. I wonder if the little girl was the the daughter of this woman. And ever since the little girl was born, this woman suffered with this hemorrhage of blood. And then you could add in, in the chosen, maybe the woman was married to Jairus. No, 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 this is going, going too far. Okay. Um, don't tell chosen. They, they, they would totally do that. But, uh, You've got to think about this woman. She's unclean. Everywhere she goes, she's unclean. I, I, have you ever just, you just felt, I'm dirty. I'm just, I'm so dirty. You know, pornography is destroying an entire generation. It's destroying a lot of you. You ever just think, I'm just dirty, unclean. And this woman, everywhere she goes, everybody knows her, 
the unclean, dirty woman. Stay away. If, you, if you're close to her, you're going to be unclean too. Woman, get away. Put your face mask on. But dirty. You know, she's kind of a, a picture of, of sin. Let me read this statement. Here's a definition. A preacher has given a good definition of sin. Listen to this. What is sin? It is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, and the power of God not praised. Sin is the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, and the beauty of God not treasured. Sin is the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the commandments of God not obeyed, and the justice of God not respected. Sin is the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, and the presence of God not prized. It is the person of God not loved. That is sin. I'm just dirty, unclean. And this woman is desperate. She recognizes it. She's desperate. And yet she, hearing about Jesus, seeing Jesus in the crowd, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to Jesus' feet. The demoniac here, he, he runs to Jesus. Jairus falls down at Jesus' feet, imploring him. This woman now, no name. She's not named. She gets to Jesus, just if I can touch him. She touches the edge of his cloak, and all of a sudden, I'm healed. I'm clean. For the first time in 12 years, I'm clean. Only Jesus can make you clean. She comes to Jesus, and Jesus knows what has happened here. And Jesus looks around, who touched me? And then she comes, and it says in verse 32, and, he, and she told him the whole truth. Maybe you just need to go to the feet of Jesus and tell him the whole truth about all of your uncleanness and all of your wickedness and all of your sinfulness and maybe how pornography is destroying your life. He's the only one that can make you clean. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. So this woman who suffered at the hand of many physicians meets the real physician. She meets the real physician. And now look at this. I love this. In verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Do you know that that's the only time in the Bible when Jesus calls a woman daughter. I love that. This woman that has to have been so lonely, so afraid, so unclean, so despised. And now she comes to the feet of Jesus. 
He saves her. He heals her. She's made clean. And Jesus, with his loving eyes, you can just picture him looking into her eyes and saying, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter. What a picture. All of a sudden, somebody that's been ostracized and set apart and unclean and lonely, and all of a sudden, you're my daughter. A picture of, I've adopted you into my family. Oh, the meaning and the purpose in life all of a sudden that comes just pumping through your veins. Now I have something to live for. Meaning and significance just oozing from everything that you do and say. Only one life to live now. Soon to will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm a daughter. I'm a son of the living God. This changes everything. Before I knew the Lord, man, I just lived this depressed life. Why do I even exist? What am I here for? I was 17, 18 right in there. Your age. The Lord got a hold of me radically as I started to go to his feet. I just wanted, what's the Bible about? Started reading it for myself. And after a couple of months, just like reading through the pages, I just began to realize Jesus is the real chain breaker. Jesus is the real ruler of the synagogue. I don't care about religion. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is really, he's the only physician that can make you clean. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Once again, you're going to need a major, major move of the Holy Spirit. To pry your heart away from this Disneyland of the United States of America. You need to put yourself in a position, in a situation where the Holy Spirit can do that massive work in your heart. And that place to put yourself in where he can begin to work is at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Lord, there are people in this room that are unclean. Never experienced the healing touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we need it. Lord, I pray that, that you would not take away that sense of desperation until that person, that that woman, that man, that boy, that girl comes to the feet of Jesus. Lord, there are so many that are just chained, the chains of sin. And really, Jesus, you're the only one that can break those chains. And so we pray, Lord, that today might be that day when you move in and you break those chains once and for all. Oh, Lord, we don't care about religion. Do not care about religiosity. Lord, what we care about is knowing you and walking with you, being set free, and then living lives full of meaning and purpose. 
Oh God, we pray that you'd set our hearts on fire and you'd begin to do a tremendous work in our own hearts and our own lives and that you would raise up an army of evangelists, an army of men and women that use their gifts and abilities, whatever they are, to glorify you and to extend your kingdom here on this planet in this short, short amount of time that we still have. So Lord, just like you told that little girl, I pray that you would speak to us and you'd just say, wake up. Arise, generation, this younger generation, arise. Lord, we pray that you would do a massive work, massive work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we might live lives not wasted. We put our lives into your hands, asking that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.